What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. Got our analysts on, one and the only. Sterling Harris is back. Sterling, what's up with you? Yo, how y'all doing, man? It's been a minute. <laughs> Happy to have you back. Got a great episode prepared for you all. So without further ado, welcome to my sports house. start off local in the SEC like we usually do. We actually got more NFL talk today than college. But anyway, we'll start off with the South Carolina Gamecocks. We got the big win at williams Bryce Stadium over the Florida Gators with the final score of 40 to 17. Just off of watching the game immediately, I thought Jason Brown seems like he's the answer. You know, he's dual, he's a dual threat guy. He's mobile. You saw him spin away uh, and get kind of out the pocket there. And it seems like that's what Carolina's been missing. Uh, he went 14 for 24 for 175 yards, two touchdowns. Seems like the trio running back was clicking. Kevin Harris, 16 carries, 128 yards. Saquandre White, 13 carries for 111 yards. And even Marshawn Lloyd got in there, seven uh, carries, 46 yards. And even for him, that's averaging almost seven yards a carry. And I think that's what people were expecting of that, like of this trio that Carolina has a running back. And even Juju McDowell's had a touchdown. So Sterling, why? Like, what were your thoughts on the game? I mean, coming out of the bye week, uh, we had you know a bad taste in uh in their mouths, you know, from the A and M game. Um, bye week gives you a lot of time to fix uh, anything that has been wrong with the team up to that point. Uh, also gives you enough time to your upcoming opponent. And given that Florida had just played Georgia the week before, um, and had you know some injuries and things not go their way in that game. It seemed like a perfect time for Carolina to have a great game. So, um, you know, it was a a great night at at Williams-Brice. Yeah, it definitely seemed like the environment was – and it seems like the Carolina fans have been looking for something like this to kind of get them back excited. So, I know a lot of Carolina fans were excited about this game. I think Missouri is next week, correct? Yep. Uh, Missouri in – it's in Missouri uh, this this go-around. coming up so this weekend and then next weekend is Auburn and we got to that is the big old in-state rival you want to say their name still (laughs) (laughs) it seems like it's come across so quick but I think Carolina's one win away I think they're five and four now so one win away for being bowl eligible so you know for Beamer although it's been tough throughout the year at times to be able to come in the first year bowl eligible I guess that'd be kind of a plus and I'm sure he looks forward to his uh as he continues his coaching career at South Carolina we're going to go here real quickly to Ohio State. You know, y'all know I got to talk about my Buckeyes escaping with the win against Nebraska uh, with the final score of 26-17. My boy C.J. Stroud, me and Sterling have been talking about this guy for two years almost between me, Sterling, and Thomas. But uh, C.J. Stroud, 36 for 54, 405 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. But the guy we got to talk about is Jackson Smith Najigba. He's one of the highest-ranked receivers, you know, that came to Ohio State. We keep him coming. 15 receptions, 
240 yards and a touchdown. What a day for Jackson. Garrett Wilson did not play in this game. Chris Olave had him a touchdown as usual. He keeps, I think he's trying to head to the top of the school records for uh, receiving touchdowns. So big day for the Buckeyes as we continue. We now move to eight and one. Next week, we will face Purdue. Hopefully Purdue don't got nothing up their sleeve and we'll keep rolling. We got again prepared for on the 20th, the big date with a uh, Michigan State who is still in uh, Michigan State still undefeated, right? Uh, Michigan State lost. Oh, that they is. lost to Purdue. So <laughs> it's almost like, man, Ohio State might be next in the chopping block uh, in terms of uh, you know, the Purdue the Purdue striking the Boilermaker striking one more top CFB uh, team. So uh, we'll see. I remember like two years ago, three years. Purdue just one of them teams that said they like to play the spoiler. Like they're not really going to do anything for themselves, but if they can spoil your season, they seem to be just fine with that. So hopefully we'll take care of business against them. And then we also have the team up north. Now that I'm new to the Ohio State tradition, we, we don't mention their name, just like how you said about South Carolina. We're going to keep moving. That's really it for college football. You know how it goes. We're going to the NFL, though. Sterling always has some good takes. So I'm really excited to hear his perspective. First of all, Deshaun Jackson to the Raiders. You think that's a good move or bad move? Uh, I think uh, for him, it was an awful move to even leave the Rams in the first place. I, I don't know what he's thinking. Um, but, hey, you know, I guess he wanted to have a bigger role in the offense. But I feel like he stays in L.A. and he got a Super Bowl ring waiting on him um, in February at, the, at that point. Um, but, you know, the Raiders are in about as much turmoil um, as you can think of at this point. So, if he feels happy in Vegas, let's hope he's not the next person to do something dumb there either. So let's <laughs> we have to see what happens. Yeah, it's a really interesting time to be going to Las Vegas. Being that, you know, you, we all know about Gruden's gone. Ruggs is in 156 miles per hour, car accident killing somebody. So he's got that. Damon Arnett uh, threatening people and guns and stuff. So it's a really dark time right now in Las Vegas. So it's very interesting for Deshaun. I guess Deshaun is kind of like the lightning in the bottle here, hopefully going to maybe make some changes and whatnot. And he'll join, who is that? Brian Edwards, Hunter Renfro, the tight end, Darren Wells. And is, is Darren hurt right now or is he playing? Come on, Waller? Waller? Yo, God. Okay, it started over. Darren <laughs> Wells. Oh, God. Nah, he's there, but it's just, I mean, think about the Raiders right now, man. Like, <laughs> I saw, uh, I, I want to say it was uh, one of my buddies on Twitter. Um, <laughs> they called him the Florida Raiders in terms of they need Tim Tebow and Derek Carr's uh, Christian leadership to get them through the season. Oh, for <laughs> what sure. What they got going on right now. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a mess in, in Vegas right now. And they just lost to the New York Giants. Like, I mean, hey, he's uh, you literally heard somebody like, cause right on time, Carr comes out saying that he needs to love right now. Rugs needs love right now, and so you're right. That's kind of right on time with Tebow time. So we will, <laughs> we will definitely continue to monitor that situation. One, because at first, a lot of people were thinking that Odell Beckham Jr. might go to the Raiders, but it seems like with them picking up Deshaun Jackson, that's not happening. A lot of people are now thinking the Chiefs, Green Bay. Some even some people are even thinking Seattle. Where do you think Odell Beckham Jr. lands? This is a tough one. Um, I, when I talked to you initially, I thought, you know, the two places that made sense was Vegas and Kansas City. I was leaning more Vegas, uh, mostly because of the warm weather. So I'm going to stick somewhere uh, where I, I think Odell wants to play somewhere warm. That's just my personal thought on him. 
or indoors. And you mentioned the New Orleans Saints, and it does make a whole lot of sense. I had a problem with it because I'm just saying, like, if you sign them and then you have to re-sign them, uh, you're already cap-strapped right now with Michael Thomas um, with his big contract. So I just don't know why the Saints would make sense. Um, but I'd say a place like Seattle, who they're almost – they're almost uh, equivalent to the Rams as, as in terms of they don't really care about the draft process. They rather go get a they rather go get established players. Um, I could I see Seattle and Russell Wilson saying, "Hey, come over here and help uh, help out DK and, and, and get Tyler Lockett, you know, more open." And they're they're going to be as competitive as they possibly can each year. They're not going to ever mail it in with Russell coming back, um, you know, so soon. It seems like uh, if they want to give themselves a shot to win. Um, maybe capitalize on a hurt Cardinals team and and a and a you know an underachieving 49 to try to sneak into the playoffs here. Then I could see Odell in the Seattle uh, Seahawks search. Um, yeah, no, don't forget, they was also pushing for, for Antonio Brown eventually before um eventually before uh he ended up signing with Tampa Bay. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if Seattle says, you know what, we could we could use another weapon on offense and we're gonna have to. For us to succeed in this league right now with the defense that isn't as great as it, you know, the old Seattle defenses, they're gonna say, Well, let's commit to putting up some more points. You can do, you can certainly do that with OBJ. So I'm I'm gonna go Seattle here. You hear a lot of people saying that it's like we just want OBJ to go to a place that to where somebody can get him the ball. Russell Wilson can definitely get him that ball. But can you imagine Russell Wilson? I mean, uh, Russell Wilson obviously is the quarterback, and then you have Tyler Lockett out there. Got the big fella. I sometimes call him the Green Goblin because he always be changing his hair or whatever. But you got him and OBJ. What'd you say? DK. DK. Yeah, I call him the Green Goblin. But yeah, in case we probably should say DK Metcalf, in case you're not a big follower of sports. But uh, you got all those guys. That's an embarrassment of riches out there in Seattle. That would be something serious. Be something to watch. But uh, I think he cleared waivers. He has to clear waivers today by like tomorrow by four o'clock or something. And we'll figure out where OBJ was going. But we, and originally, a lot of people were mentioning the Kansas City Chiefs would be great because that's another guy that could definitely get on the ball in Patrick Mahomes. But I wanted to ask you, why has the Chiefs not been rolling on offense like they have been in years past this year? I mean, it's just a simple fact that there were certain receivers there that were such staples and so consistent. So we got guys like Sammy Watkins that isn't there. Um, they also had it opened it up for a guy like Miko Hardman. I feel like Miko Hardman um, is a less version of Tyler Lockett, but the problem with that is that Tyreek Hill is already their Tyler Lockett in terms of he get him the ball in space, throw it to him deep. So teams now would have to worry about essentially two other receivers on the field at this point because Miko has, you know, problems with some drops, and I wouldn't be able to tell you who the other receiver on this team is. Um, <laughs> I'm being completely honest with you. They're just, you know, they're able to load up on Kelsey and um, and Hill and force their attention there, and they can they can play one on one with the other guys on the outside. And in terms of running the football, the Chiefs they're not going to run the football, and um, they they really can't run the football right now. Uh, so I think that's that's why their offense is having such issues, and it was so big play oriented. Um, and there's something I was saying over the years. People was get was trying to say I'm a I was a Mahomes hater, and and I I didn't like the guy, and that was never the case. But when you watch Mahomes play these last couple of years, people understand the riches he had around him was crazy. A great offensive line, um, legit four receiving options, 
plus the tight end, uh, two, three running backs. And he could just load up, throw the ball down the field, and somebody's going to be open all the time because teams had to account for multiple weapons. But now he never he never fully developed that that Tom Brady-like, Peyton Manning-like um, dink and duck play style, which is not his play style. You know, I don't want to change Mahomes at all, but that comes in handy in these type of moments where if you don't have the, enough people to go deep or to always load up for the big play, you know, learning uh, – the fundamentals of all right, get the ball out quick because this is what I'm getting in coverage. I think it's just it's a it's a bump in the road. Like Mahomes is a great player, but he just doesn't have the same or he doesn't have the amount of riches around him, along with Tyreek and Kelsey, to where the big plays aren't coming as easily and they're not scoring as much points. And he's not yeah. relying on what the defense is giving him in his eyes to just dump it short sometimes or to change up and and, and get other guys the ball. So. Is they escaped with the win here in this ball game against the Green Bay Packers with the final score of thirteen to seven, moving them up to five and four on the year, which is a little bit better than five hundred. But it makes you wonder too if Aaron Rodgers would have been playing, would Green Bay maybe have won this game a little? Would Green Bay have won this game? Because we've got to see Jordan Love come out there from Utah. See that we haven't heard of Jordan Love a lot since he came out of Utah State. He was like one of those big guys. Uh, he's one of the guys that whenever the draft came around, he got gained a lot of steam. He went 19 for 34 for 190 yards, but uh, couldn't pull together to win in his, I want to say it's his debut. I want to say it's his debut, but we'll continue to monitor because at, at a certain point in time, it seems like Aaron Rodgers might be up out of Green Bay after this season. I think he said this is him <laughs> and Adams posted like this is their last dance or whatever. So you got to see a sneak peek of the future. But we're going to keep moving here. Really want to talk about a quarterback in the Carolinas. Um, the Patriots beat the Carolina Panthers, final score of 24 to 6. It's nice to see Gilmore, you know, playing for the Panthers. You know, he grew up in Rock Hill, went to South Point High School. So right around the corner, probably like 20 minutes from his house. But like I said, the Panthers lost. Sam Darnold, three interceptions. Robbie Anderson was getting at him and they caught it on video. I saw it like 246,000 views on YouTube. So what's, what's going wrong with Sam Darnold? Hey, this is what, you know, I, I don't like to get into Twitter arguments, but this is something that I just never understood with the Twitter, the Twitter madness has been about with Sam Darnold. This is what we expected. When we traded for Sam Darnold, we was trading for a dude on his expiring contract that we believe had talent that we could maybe mold into something that he should have been if we give him the stuff that's around him, right? So we're at a situation now where Sam Darnold comes out and he, and he plays really bad against the, the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. Oh, my God. What quarterback has never played horrible against this team? And I get it. It's been, you know, it's been some awful decision-making, like the pick six to JC, the pick in the end zone. Um, and I forgot, and I think the other one, the D-Lyman just made a great play on the ball. But, again, like, he's a dude on a firing contract. If, if the Panthers don't rock with Sam at the end of the year, they don't have to re-sign them, and they don't lose any money from this. <laughs> um, and in terms of, like, how he's playing right now, I think we've seen in the first three games the flashes of what he can be when he's on point. And now we're in the middle of the season. It's a tough October-November stretch. Um, he's played some pretty bad games at times. But at the end of the day, the Panthers are sitting here only at four and five and still are in playoff pieces. So I think, you know, it's one of those things where you got to let the season play out um, I, I, you know, Robbie getting, getting into Sam so hard is because I feel like Robbie, he knows 
that Sam should be able to play. I think we've seen enough where we should, we can say, yeah, that guy has the talent to play in the league, but he's just not he's not executing the way you know we expect him to execute. And and I think that's that's not meeting Robbie's standards standards either, which is uh which is kind of why he's getting into him so hard. So, um, again, it's you know ninth game season, and then he ran into a Patriots team that's let's just say I've always felt like New England was going to be in play for the Super Bowl this year, and they're starting to show you that they're going to still be in play for the Super Bowl this year, um, like every other year, no matter how bad people try to bash Mac Jones and all that stuff um, and bash Bill Belichick. They're going to be right there, and that's a potential Super Bowl team that, you know, they just – he got mopped by, and it's Bill Belichick. So, yeah, that's what I say about Sam Darnold in, in that regard. Up. This is about the time where, you know, it's that middle of the season, you're seeing the injuries stack up. Nobody's 100% healthy, but, you know, you're just trying to make it happen. And I guess Robbie Anderson just kind of hold him accountable out there. It's like, come on, man, we expect better out of you. So that's interesting for the Panthers. We're going to go to the Rams real quickly. Now, I know if you're listening to it, you saw that the Rams lost to the Titans with the final score of 28 to 16. But I still want to kind of key in here on the Rams. What do you think that addition of Von Miller brings to that Rams organization? Um, I think it just shows you that they feel like this is the year for them to win the Super Bowl. Right. That was a super that's that was a Super Bowl call. That was a Super Bowl trade. That was a um, now, I, and I get it. Uh, people skept, are skeptical about it because Von Miller, you know, he's old. He's had some injuries. But uh, think about it this way. When the Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl in 2015, they had a Von Miller that was in his, you know, his heyday. You know, that guy, Von Miller, defensive player of the year, Von Miller. Um, and then on, on the opposite side of Von Miller, you had DeMarcus Ware, right? Older guy but still very effective, very experienced, savvy, um, who was what Von Miller was at that point in time. So look at the Rams' defense right now. You have Aaron Donald, the best defensive player in football. <laughs> or, or wait, Jalen Ramsey <laughs> in, their problem, yeah. in his problem right now. One of the best defensive players in football. And now Von Miller almost turns into that DeMarcus Ware-like role. He's won the Super Bowl. He's been to the Super Bowl. He he can lead those young guys in this situation in a in a on a team that has the talent to go all the way and has beaten the Bucks already and could be in position to where they could have home field throughout the playoffs and, and win some games with Matthew Stafford in that McVeigh offense. So I feel like that was a, a leadership call, um, given that I don't think they had anybody on that side of the ball really that has been to that point. You know, Rams made it to the AFC Championship game, but he never won the Super Bowl. Uh, Donald's never been to an NFC championship. Uh, the Donald's been to the Super Bowl, but he, he didn't win the Super Bowl. So it's one of those things where it's like, if we could add that championship pedigree, the one that got it done, who's also can still be very effective um, on a scary defense already, already scary defense. Um, I think that's what that that's told you about the Rams organization and how they feel like this is this is their time and they don't they don't want to waste any more time. Um, trying to get this thing done because they've been building this for the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, even could, do I was the last say, couple of years when they traded for Ramsey, you know, so. You, you could say there now in win now mode. And now that I just said that, that is going to be the name of the episode. Uh, win now mode. And they're just trying to get it done. <laughs> They got their quarterback. They thought they had one of their receivers, but they got Cooper Couples and balling out this year, Robert Woods, Higby, you know, and the rest of the crew. But uh, And then also kind of want to go ahead and mention in the same division, the Cardinals, 
Uh, Colt McCoy stepped up going 22 for 26 for 249 yards and a touchdown as the Cardinals go on to eight and one. They beat the San Francisco 49ers who are also in the division. Jimmy got the uh, start and he went 28 for 40 for 326 yards and two touchdowns. I really like to watch 40 the 49ers when Trey Lance is in there. When he's not, I don't really care too much about him. But definitely been rooting for my Cardinals. But like I said, it was nice to see um, Kyler Murray, even though he was out, Colt McCoy step up and do what he needed to do. But to go back to the Rams here really quickly, because this is going to be an awesome soundbite, what, what makes Jalen Ramsey such a good corner to you? He has everything you could possibly ask for in the cornerback. He's long. He's fast. He's smart. He understands leverage in terms of uh, when he's playing inside, outside. Uh, he understands angles in terms of when a guy goes out, how to break at an angle to where he can undercut and pick the football off as he did to AJ, uh, AJ Brown um, during that game um, yesterday. Like he understands, he understands how to play the game and the talent that he has, the God-given talent that he has um, matches that. And that's why he's the best corner in the game. Um, when you, when you meet those two things, you become the best corner in the game. Intellect, uh, God-given talent and savviness. Um, that's Jalen Ramsey, <laughs> and and that's why he's the best. So. And that's why nobody wants to see him out there on that island. I'm sure at Florida State, I'm not sure of this. I'm not 100% sure of this, but it'd be great if they had like a thing like DBU, whatever. I don't know if you're going to call it DBU, but it's like you got Jalen Ramsey and you got Deion Sanders. It's like, come join the rest of, come join them of the best DBs in football history. I don't know if they have that. And I don't know if you're in the Florida State personnel, if you're listening to this, make sure y'all get that done. It'd be a great recruiting tip. Uh, but last but not least, definitely want to mention the Cowboys. It's so funny when the Cowboys lose. If any, if you root for the Cowboys, it's like people don't even know football just start clowning. They like find memes. But the uh, the Cowboys lost to the Broncos, thirty to sixteen. Teddy Bridgewater, nineteen for twenty eight, two hundred forty nine yards and a touchdown. Um, what I wanted to ask you about this game specifically is. Okay, so the Cowboys' offense has been playing pretty well for the most part of the season. They didn't play very well in this game. Uh, but what really was was the Cowboys' defense had some concerns. Did you notice any, like, glaring concerns? And, and on top of that, are you a huge fan of Trayvon Diggs, or do you think it was kind of hype because he was getting so many interceptions? Uh, I still think defensively, I'd say over the course of the beginning of the season, Dallas had flashes. You know, you see Michael Parsons, Trayvon Diggs. Uh, um, whenever uh, Randy Gregory, when he pops, he pops. Um, they'll get Demarcus Lawrence back, I think, in a couple of weeks uh, off of with this off of IR. I feel like. Um, but you know, you still look at Dallas and say, "All right, safety play is that a concern or not?" Um, you drafted Michael Parsons, but with letting go of Jalen Smith. Um, and, and, you know, Leighton Vander Esch still not being the Leighton Vander Esch we saw uh, two years ago uh, when you gave him that contract. Is his linebacker play still a concern? Um, so I think that's one of those things with the Cowboys defense where teams maybe, have, you know, are starting to figure it out. And it could have been one of the things where the defense played so well off of the fact that their offense was putting up points. Yeah. But I don't – but in a game like Sunday versus the Broncos where our – if, if – the offense isn't putting up points. Can the Cowboys defense hold, keep them in the game versus an experienced quarterback like Teddy Bridgewater, um, weapons like Judy, 
uh, uh, Sutton. I, I think Sutton's still there. Um, uh, what's the uh, Hamler? Uh, those guys from you know weapons like that. Can they keep them in the game? I think I don't think that's the Cowboys' defense. I think that's more. Um, I think defenses that have that ability are more Los Angeles Rams, the uh, uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they're on, um, even the Saints when they're on. Uh, I don't think the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys' defense is very opportunistic, and, and yeah. they become better as the offense goes. If the offense is playing really well, the defense will play really well, and, and it could lead to some um, blowouts. But if the offense is playing very well, and you're saying defense, I need you to get stop after stop after stop. I don't know if that's Dallas' defense. Um, and, and as far as Trayvon Diggs go, um, I think he was definitely starting to have um, that type of aura that surrounded him at the beginning of the year. Uh, when he was accumulating so many interceptions, it was it was a um, one of those things where it seemed like the ball just seemed to find him. Um, when they played the Patriots, it was a pass. It really seemed like you know it had nothing to do with Trayvon, but the ball seemed to find him. They played <laughs> the Eagles, uh, the, the, you know, the pass was just a little bit off, and it just happened to find Trayvon. You know, yeah, I know for sure. Yeah, so it, it kind of just seemed like he had that, that mystique about him. But I think when you get to the real nitty gritty about it, and I was talking about with Jalen Ramsey a second ago about how the intellect and the and the talent match up, I don't think Trayvon possesses. I ain't gonna say he doesn't have to possess the intellect, but he's not on that level yet of football savviness to where he can be a consistent lockdown cornerback. And and sometimes he'll let his eyes get away from him, um, his technique get away from him, in, in in favor of his talent and natural athleticism, and that's what will burn him. But those will be the same things. That that provides them to have really great plays. So it's it's one of those things with Trayvon. Uh, I like him as a player. I still wouldn't have took him where they took him at. I thought they took him pretty early. I thought he would have still been on the board later on in that draft. Personally, where they could have got him later on. Um, but I like him as a, I like him as a player, and he's and he's still a dangerous player. He he's he almost reminds me more of a Marcus Peters type of player. Um, really dangerous. Is really dangerous on any given on any given day, but that's that goes both ways. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. he's dangerous towards for the team, and he's dangerous against the team. Um, so, but if he's locked in, he's a problem. So it, that's how I feel about Dallas' defense and Trayvon in in that regard. So. I think opportunistic is a very good way of putting it. It's like when the opportunity presents itself, he'll be there. Now he might get burned a couple times, and I think you hear a lot. Of, uh, <laughs> You hear a lot of like former NFL cornerbacks or uh, whatever be like, yeah, you're going to get burnt. It's kind of playing a position. Another guy I just saw, AJ Terrell, has been balling out. And I think a lot of people remember him for that Clemson LSU national championship game. And it's like he took some L's against Jamar Chase. But now that he's in the league, been in the league for a couple of years now, he's doing really good out there in Atlanta. And but last thing I want to ask you here, real quickly, Sterling, a quick pick. You know, we got Monday Night Football tonight. My guy, Justin Fields, will lead the Bears against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Who you got in this one? I'm taking Mike Tomlin. I'm not even saying Pittsburgh. I'm not going to say that I'm taking Mike Tomlin. And the reason being, um, I think he's a little ticked off. I, I think he's going to keep that energy, and, and, and I think he's going to let it infect the team in a way uh, positively with his names being in that USC rumblings, um, for whatever reason, it makes no sense why he was even involved in those type of conversations. Um, and 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 given how they won last week against the Browns, given everything, all the adversity, I think that was a real turning point for that team. Yeah. Um, Najee's really starting to put it on. He's really starting to figure it out. I feel like, um, even without Juju Smith-Schuster, 
uh, the offense will find ways to move down the down the field. And Pittsburgh's defense is every uh, every bit as opportunistic as um, I talked about with Dallas's. But I do feel like Pittsburgh's defense has more of an ability to hold them into a, a football game than Dallas because of Mike Thompson. Gotcha. Because of his, because of how brilliant he is, and how he has those guys prepared, ready every single day. Um, because any challenge, like last week when they're playing the Browns, the kicker goes out, you have to go for two. Uh, you can't, you can't do certain things. Um, in the special teams game, and you find a way to get out of Cleveland with that win. That was one. That was one of the most impressive coaching performances I've, I think I've ever seen. And um, and again, and against the Bears team, I love Justin Fields. He's going to be great. I feel like, you know, I think somebody needs to go there and save him, though. But he's going to be great um, as a player in the NFL. But uh, I think Thomas is going to give him a lot of looks. Um, it, it, he might throw a couple picks, probably. Um, just off of, is this a Tomlin defense in Pittsburgh with Minka, T.J. Watt, Devin Bush being back from his ACL injury, Cam Hayward, uh, Joe Hayden. It, it's just too many older guys. Um, I think they'll give Justin Fields and that Chicago office a lot of issues. And I think uh, eventually Ben Roethlisberger will, will get him down the field, Najee get him down the field, and Pittsburgh will score enough points to win this game. So I'm picking Steelers and, and Mike Tomlin. That's that's my pick, Mike Tomlin. <laughs> yeah, I could just imagine, like, Justin, you know, talking maybe some guys who played in the league for a little while. I was like, so how do you deal with T.J. Watt and the pass rush for the Steelers? They're like, you got three seconds and just get rid of it in the front. Luckily, he's a dual threat guy, and you know he's a big guy, so he can maybe get away from a couple of things. But those guys, they come, they come fast, and now they've been playing so well. He's got a lot of tricks and trades. So excited about that one. I'm definitely rooting for the Bears. Don't know if we're gonna win or not, but I'm definitely rooting for him. Hope my boy Justin Fields keeps learning as he goes. And uh, it's been a really, like, as far as that quarterback class, they've transitioned to NFL. A lot of those guys have started. Maybe they're hurting now. But that class definitely was not like one where it was like a whole bunch of, well, I guess it's kind of early to say. But it seems like all these guys are showing a lot of potential. So definitely good to see. Uh, that's all we have for you all, Sterling. Appreciate y'all. Y'all Sterling was doing the episode, I think, from the car. <laughs> we had, <laughs> you had a lot going on there, but we appreciate you hopping on. Yeah, a lot going on, man. What'd you say? Oh yeah, I was like, I got a lot going on. Oh, oh, wait. Hey, do you mind if I throw in? You know, you know me with the UFC. I knew you were gonna do it. Ah. I knew you were gonna do it. Go ahead, and say it. It was too important. I, I couldn't leave it out. Ah. Do you mind? The floor is yours. I mean, uh, all right. UFC two sixty eight. What a wonderful card. Um, Chandler versus Gaethje was absolutely remarkable. Um, that fight. Fireworks to begin with. Gaethje hit Chandler with a nasty uppercut. Y'all, if y'all can go find the highlights for that fight, you will enjoy every second of it because it was it was just a masterpiece of martial arts. Um, Chandler incorporated some wrestling. Uh, Gaethje had great reversals on the ground. Um, the the pure chin of both guys when both was rocked really heavily uh, for them not to get finished. It was, it was just beautiful to watch. Um, Cheeto Vera finished Edgar. With a with a disgusting head, uh, a front kick face, reminiscent of Anderson Silva's finish of, of Vitor Belfort. Um, Rose Diamond Unis, Thug Rose, and, and John Whaley put on an instant classic, um, finishing a split decision with Rose uh, winning, um, ultimately retaining her title. Uh, and and that fight was that fight was masterful. You should go watch that one too. And then in the finish off with Usman and Covington, um, I thought Covington had real moments where he he could have maybe pounced on Usman. But Usman just stayed in the pocket, 
kept his head movement going, knocked Kobe down. Um, very, very close fight, but I think everybody agreed at that point that it was still going to be 3-2 Usman his way. But but Kobe, Kobe showed that he did deserve to be in both of those fights. Nothing was a fluke. Um, I think up to this point, he, he's been the only guy to not be finished by Usman outside of uh, outside of outside of Tyron Woodley. Um, well, no, he got finished in the last fight. But in terms of a rematch, like Usman uh, finished Burns and Masvidal. Um, so for Kobe to go out there in the second fight with Usman and, and really and hang in there with him, even after getting knocked down, I think he showed a lot. But but Usman right now is probably the greatest most weight of all time, um, no doubt about it, surpassing GSP. Um, but it was a great fight card. I had to throw in, I had to throw in that UFC man. You know, you you know me, Matt. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely growing. Uh, UFC is definitely growing. They used to talk about a lot on the internship. And I was like, this is the stuff that Sterling keeps talking about. I don't know a lot about it, but I work with one of the guys, and I was like, my guy that comes on the podcast talks about this as much as possible. It sounds like a foreign language to me, but look, I guess really Dana White needs to hit us with that check because we're actually bringing some visibility to the sport. I got to make sure I talk to him. But uh, Sterling, got anything else or is that all? <laughs> Uh oh my God! Uh, are you are you ready for NBA basketball yet or not? Nah? Are you gonna hold off on that? Give me a one. Just give me a take, a quick take or something you find interesting. I'm actually kind of rocking with the Bulls this year. I like my boy Lonzo Ball to fix his jump shot. You know, I'm rocking with him. So I've really been kind of paying attention a little bit with him, Zach Levine, and uh, the rest of the company with the Bulls. Well, what about you? Uh, I'll say. Um, for one, we are live in Miami. That's one. We are live. Yep. But, but two, um, <laughs> the Golden State Warriors are about to be uh, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green are about to be uh, four top champs. I saw um, that they're going crazy in the West right now. Uh, this record in the West. Clay, Clay, and James Wiseman aren't even playing yet. Um. But Golden State right now is absolutely – they look so scary. They're demolishing teams. They're absolutely they're demolishing teams. It's looking very reminiscent. Uh, Steph, Steph almost over the last couple of years having to carry the team, uh, picked up some weight, some good weight, um, looks stronger uh, and attacks. With, he attacks more aggressively. <laughs> they look scary. They look really scary right now. At this rate, they're, they're going to they're gonna end up in the finals. Um but how Los Angeles and them are looking. It looks like Golden State's about to end up being your NBA champions this year with, at the rate they're going. And if Clay and, and Wiseman come back healthy, good Lord. So yeah, yeah, I'm that's, that's what NBA... I'm sitting there thinking like, yo, like that Bay Area is live again. Meanwhile, Los Angeles done brought everybody they possibly can fit in Los Angeles to go play with them doggone Lakers. And they haven't been able to, you know, they're struggling. But I get it. They're kind of figure out this chemistry or whatnot. But yeah, no, Golden State has been looking nice. That boy Curry, he, and he's like, I don't even have my weapons yet. He said, I'm just getting started. So that's going to be crazy to watch. Who do you think is the best team right now for what you've been watching with coming out of the East? Out of the East? Yeah. Ah. Uh, it's tough. Um, man, I, I want to – a part of me wants to go Miami um, because of, one, the rule changes this year will allow us – it was already a great defensive team. But I feel – with how we're playing right now, and then especially come playoff time, the physicality that we'll be allowed to play with, um, 
I feel like in a seven game, nobody wanted to see us in a seven game series. And with Milwaukee, I love Giannis, but they're gonna but they're gonna miss PJ Tucker. We have PJ Tucker now. They're gonna miss PJ Tucker. Um, with Brooklyn at this point, it seems like Kyrie might not play until I think the new mayor gets elected or something like that and lifts the mandate. Whoever the it's new mayor is crazy. It's that crazy. City. And um, and who knows what you know? And and James Harden has not. It looks like he hasn't adjusted to the new style of play now. It feels like um in the league, in terms of not getting those little ticky tack hook your arm fouls, he's not getting that no more. So he he's having to adjust. Um, Charlotte looks nice, but I don't think they're ready yet. Chicago looks nice, but I don't think they're ready yet. So if I had to pick one right now, it would be my it would be Miami. Um, honestly, I think. I think we, we give people a lot of issues. If Tyler Hero keeps playing like this, if, if Tyler Hero's going to play like a six-man-of-the-year candidate, then I, I I think we have a, a really great shot to come back out of the East. So, and Sterling, y'all, I don't know if y'all remember, but like, what, two years ago, Ster- Sterling's been rocking with the Heat for probably the longest, but I remember when the bubble was going on, he was rocking with it when nobody else was, and he ended up coming out right. So we'll see if y'all can continue to get the work done, see if Tyler Hero can keep playing. He got that song with Jack Harlow. So, you know, once you get that, when you got a whole song named after you, you ain't got no choice but the ball. So, uh, yeah, baby. <laughs> okay, that's all we have for y'all on this week's episode. Matt Sports House, appreciate you, Sterling. Uh, we'll be back next week. I mean, I got Jalen coming on next week, so there's going to be a little mix up there. And then, Sterling, I'll get you back on here sooner than later. Man, they blow your phone up, baby. You're famous, Matt. Hey, cut it out. Cut it out. I'll catch up with y'all. Peace. <laughs>